Okay, today is April the 27th, 2010. And I will remind you that we're not going to have our Friday night at the movies this Friday. We're going to have it the following Friday, the first Friday in May. And uh, Bruce Dixon is going to be uh, <clears throat> is going to be performing in Belleville at the Buffalo Winery from, yeah, it's in Belleville, 6, of course it's a winery, I don't know where it is, but south of Belleville. <laughs> uh, the time was what, 6 to 10? 6 to 10, I think it is. Okay, well, let's see. We've only got one more Bible class after this one in the month of April. Already gone there. Let's prepare ourselves this evening in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments to prepare ourselves by acknowledging any unconfessed sins to God, which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful of Your grace. What would we do without Your grace? It's phenomenal to think that You are mindful of us, that You would send Your own Son to die on the cross for us, that You will share Your glory with us, and the magnificent things that You have planned for us who are totally and completely undeserving. It truly is amazing grace. We pray that You will help us to dive deeply into Your Word, that it will refresh us, renew us, guide us, that we will concentrate and not be distracted, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You will be glad to know that I didn't get worked up watching the news tonight. No one sent me an article that got my blood up, so we can just press right on. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. You can look up here if you'd like. We actually completed this verse last Thursday night. <clears throat> at least I thought I did. But I started looking at it, at least the last two phrases, and I decided there's a lot more work that needs to be done. There's a lot more that I can extract from this Scripture. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, to get us in, into the flow of things, we'll just start reading from the beginning of the verse, but it's the last two phrases that I did most of the work on. But First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, And for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. 
I think the first thing that we noticed was that they were constantly thanking God. I don't want to pry. It's none of my business. But how many times have you thanked God today? They were doing it constantly. I think probably we are more prone to ask God for things than we are to thank Him for things. Wouldn't you agree? In fact, so many times we ask Him for things and He answers those prayers. But no thanksgiving on our part. I've just remembered something as I'm saying that. I asked the Lord on the way here to get us here. I was late and I was flying low and I was low on gas. Well, we made it here. Thank you, Lord. That's the first time that I thought about thanking Him. You see how easy it is to do? How many times does that happen to us? We ask Him for things and He comes through for us and we just kind of take it for granted and go on our way. Just forget about all those things that He's done for us and then all the things that we don't even ask Him for and He does for us. When do we ever thank Him for that? There are probably no doubt, but that's a contradiction, probably no doubt. Uh, let me just say, there is no doubt a multitude of things that God has saved us from that we don't even know about. And He never gets any gratitude, no, no thanks for that. Maybe on the way here, I had to get behind that car that was poking in order to save me from something that would be disastrous up, up ahead. I don't know. He may have been clearing the way. He is always doing things like that for us, and we never even know about it. It'd be a good idea to thank Him for that too, wouldn't it? People have the wrong idea of God. They think He's this big party pooper up in the sky. All the things that are fun, He doesn't want you to do. And He really doesn't, know, doesn't take notice of you until you mess up, and then He's going he's gonna to get you. That's the perspective that a lot of people have, and it could not be further from the truth. We have a God that is so wonderful in every way, every day of every year, every moment. He's on your side. He's looking out for you. He wants the most for you and me. And that means sometimes He has to allow adversity to come into our life. In fact, sometimes He will bring it. And it could be that we need to be reminded that all the blessings that He's given us, that we don't need to take them for granted. Maybe He'll just withdraw a few just to get our attention. And what does that do? That helps us be more thankful for what we do have, doesn't it? Or it could be that He's trying to show us off to angels, just like He did Job. So much happens that we are not mindful of and we never give thanks for. There's one thing that's impossible for you to do or for me to do, and that is show too much gratitude to God. You cannot do it. it in fact, it's never been done. But the Bible tells us that He enjoys 
gratitude and praise and a thankful heart. And that's rare these days. What used to be the norm where you would see parents telling their children, now, Johnny, that man just gave you a piece of candy. What do you say? Thank you. And they say that over and over enough to where eventually he gets the candy and guess what he says? Thank you. That doesn't come naturally. We are, by nature, selfish people. Faultless and have no gratitude. So with the capacity to love comes the capacity to appreciate and to show gratitude. And it's unfortunate. It seems like everything, all the trends are going the wrong way. I don't want to pick on the young people. But I'll tell you one thing that's sad. There's not one young, people, young person in our group tonight. Not one. And a lot of times, oh, I'm sorry, Matthew. You're sitting way back there in the back and you look as big as an adult. <laughs> well, kudos to Matthew for being here. But many of the times the things that I say here are needed most by the people who aren't here. Sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Of course, you can't hear things too often. And if it's being repeated, all it's doing is solidifying it in your soul so that you can remember it. But the people who are not here, and and I don't know, I'm, I'm not saying this for us to judge anyone. Maybe they couldn't be here. Maybe it was impossible. I don't know. Surely there are some that have could be here that aren't. And they will never know what they missed. Down the road, there may be something that's taught in a Bible class that they desperately need that would save them a world of trouble. But they will never know that because they made the wrong choice and they didn't show up in order to imprint on their souls something that was very necessary for them to learn. I think it was... Uh, three weeks ago that I taught on a message about personal sense of destiny and it had to do, I really emphasized that the importance of the rate of learning to exceed the rate of forgetting. My whole message essentially was in tune to that. The next time we met, the next Bible class we had, we had fewer people than we've had in years. And that makes a pastor just want to throw up his hands and say, they're not getting it. You know, What is the deal? I'm, I'm giving a message showing the importance. Why we're here is to learn and grow and apply. And after that specific message, I was wondering, what happened? Of course, my job is to study and teach. If two or three of you come, I'm going to be here and I'm going to teach. It's not, I'm not the one that's losing out. But the ones that aren't here may lose out for all eternity. It's very easy to get on that slippery slide to think, well, it's not important. I've got something I need to do. I'm tired. I had a hard day. There's plenty of excuses. They simply won't cut it when you're face-to-face with Jesus Christ. And He's asking you, 
was right in your neighborhood. It was available to you. I've given you everything. I've done it all for you. Except I can't show up for you. I can't have positive volition for you. And you blew it. And unfortunately, the consequence is going to last for all eternity. People don't understand that. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. And most of you are, are consistently here. And I can t- categorically, unequivocally tell you that you will never regret it. Sometimes you show up and you, uh, the message isn't particularly stimulating to you. It might be more academic. Might be something that doesn't have anything to do with the problems that you're facing, and you may leave and think, "Man, I have a long, a long drive home," or you, you know, you had a lot of things that you needed to do. Don't ever leave thinking that it wasn't worth it. It's not about me. It's not how good the message is. It's about you and your positive volition to show up. If you show up and you don't get fed, that's my problem. That's on my head. The only thing you have to be concerned about is showing up, being here. Because the Lord rewards on faithfulness. Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. He is looking for people who are faithful now so that He can reward them for what's coming next. I've been studying a tremendous amount of eschatology lately. I'm, I'm tempted even just to shut down what I've been doing in First Thessalonians and impart to you some of the wonderful things that I've learned. But this is important also. We have to be encouraged by the Word. We have to be guided by the Word. The Word. It's not about entertainment. It's not about having something new all the time. Oh, well, I'm here. I'm here to hear something new. Well, maybe you'll get something new from time to time. But what you need is every jot and tittle that's in this Word. Every word is important. Now, don't think that I'm... If you get the idea that I'm fussing at you, I am not. I'm not even fussing at the ones who aren't here. What good would they do? Would that do? They're not here. But they're going to be the losers. They are the worst for it. We're not to enjoy, we're not to judge them, but we can encourage them. Now I don't know why I got off on that too. I just did. Evidently, need to be said. So we'll get back over in First Thessalonians, chapter two. And verse 13. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there, there's where it was. Thanking God. That's where I got off on that too. They thank God that when you receive from us the word of God's message. Remember, we went over that word received and we recognized that's just hearing it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing from what? The Word of God. You've got to hear it first. Do you know how many people that, that 
cancels out automatically. I'm tempted to get right back in my rut again and start getting... <laughs> you got to be here to hear it. Or you got to turn on that computer. you got to shove in that teeth. you got to pick up the book. Whatever it is, you have to and take that doctrine in before you can even make a choice about it, whether you're going to accept it or not. So when they received it from us, the Word of God's message, notice that's God's message, you accepted it. Now, there's the, there's the point of contact there. You're hearing what I'm saying right now, and I'm going to be teaching some other things in the, about this verse that's phenomenal. I mean, I learned a lot by going back and seeing what I missed. But you have to accept it. You've heard it. Now the issue is, does it mean anything to you? You see, a lot of people, I remember when I was at Baraka Church and R.B. Thien Jr., I mean, excuse yeah, Jr., was teaching, and sometimes I was felt like I was in a crisis Usually it was some kind of personal crisis. And I wanted to hear something on marriage, or I wanted to hear something on revelation. I wanted to hear something that was interesting to me. And I would be sitting in that pew, and I'd be thinking, you know, every once in a while my mind, I'm trying to concentrate, and it was very academic, and it wasn't about what I thought I needed to hear. And I was kind of just dripped off in my mind. It wasn't on purpose, but it just kind of happened. Then all of a sudden he would stop and he'd start reaming somebody out and he'd start talking about, I dare you not concentrate and recognize the importance of God's Word. Every God and tittle. And boy, all of a sudden, beep, I just focused. I was, shoop, I was right back there. And I thought, how did he know what I was thinking? Now that happens to the ones that showed up. All of it's important. And you don't necessarily get what you need what you think you need at that point in time. Maybe you should have showed up at Bible class three months earlier in order to get what you need for now, but you didn't show up for some reason. I'm not going to pick on Carrie. I'd never do that to her. <laughs> but when she went to Baraka, she, and she, even to this day, she takes avid notes. I mean copious notes. And you can read them. I mean, great handwriting. And she took all these notes. Now, this was several years ago. I can't remember what book I was in. I I, would come to a particular verse and it would be really hard. And I think, well, I'm going to go to her notes to find out what what the colonel had to say about this. And it would be every night. Boom, boom, boom. She had it dated up to there. And that one night that he was teaching that, it was skipped. It wasn't there. How many times has that happened? A lot of times. Well, not a whole lot of times. I mean, she never missed hardly. But whenever she did, it seemed like it would be the very the very lesson that was key for me to really unlock something. But it's not there. Now, I'm not blaming her at all. I mean, I'll put her attendance record especially when she was going to Baraka Church, didn't have any um, health issues against anybody. That's not the point. The point that I'm trying to make is faithfulness is the key. And when you're faithful 
when you tune in, when you show up and tune in, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you concentrate, and you do that faithful, faithfully, you will arrive. You will be astounded at what God will do for you for being faithful. Now, you might not be able to put all the pieces together. You might be able not to, at this point, to connect all the dots, but just keep on plugging. That's what it's about. In a church, I, I, I remember who I was. I, I was talking to someone. I said, I, I was telling, I think it was at that pastor's deal I went to, and I was telling one of the pastors, I said, I gave a message on the importance of the rate of learning has to exceed the rate of forgiving and the importance of getting doctrine. And then I told about how, you know, the next, the next lesson I had was probably the lowest lowest in attendance. And I, I'm not about attendance, you know. It's not about, boy, aren't we doing great because we have such numbers. Well, we know that's a crock. Look at down there in Houston, the big the big cheese of fluff. I mean, he's got, uh, they're going to buy the place, I understand. I mean, they got scads of money. they got people coming out their ears. Would you say that's a successful church? Whether it's successful in getting numbers. It's not about numbers. Do you know that when I am evaluated before Jesus Christ for being faithful in studying and teaching, the amount of people that come to this church is no issue at all. It's my faithfulness in teaching that is going to be the issue. Being consistent and getting it right. But uh, And one of the guys asked me, he says, why do you think that is? I said, I think it's because sometimes Believers just get sloppy spiritually. It's so easy for the things of the world, the, 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 the details and, and just life in general to squeeze out what's really important. Satan loves that. And it's just being sloppy in your spiritual life. Think, oh, it's all right. I'll excuse that. It's no big deal. I mean, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And I'll be going on the next week, the next month, and I'll never miss it. That doesn't hurt. The only thing is you started a trend, you started a pattern, a habit, and it's hard to break of being just sloppy and not attending. I'm not talking about just attending. I'm talking about getting it. Now, I know some people who aren't here because they can't be here. They're too far away. But they're on the Internet. They're getting, getting it off the Internet. They're getting CDs, DVDs, and all that type of thing. It all goes together. They accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. That's how they accepted it. And we went into that. Remember I said, what does the word of God have? Power. It's alive and powerful. It can go places and do things that nothing else in this universe can do. And we don't ever want to forget that. Anytime you give the word out, it's not whether they accepted it or not that will determine whether it's successful. It goes out and it accomplishes what God wants it to accomplish. I'm going to skip through all this. We've already seen all of this. Talking about the word of God, there's Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and powerful. You know that one. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. This was in our same book, previous chapter. 
It only, they didn't only hear it by word, but with what? Power. There's power in the Word. Now we're going to get through this. Now this is where I only had one sentence or just one little blurb about this last time when we met because I did cover this. But we're going to cover it again because there's a lot more there. Which also performs His work in you. We're talking about the Word of God. See it right up here? For what it really is, the Word of God, then you get down here, which also performs its work in you. We have the Greek word in ergo. E-N-E-R-G-E-O. It's a present middle indicative. That middle voice means that the subject is benefited by the action of the verb. Present tense continues. Indicative mood, reality. It means to work, to show activity, produce. First the Word of God works in us, then we work for God. The middle voice, I just gave you what that is. Uh, Something happens when you learn Bible doctrine. Your soul infuses with knowledge that has power to transform you. God gives us the command to be transformed. It's not a suggestion. The God of the universe tells us individually, specifically, be transformed. Where do you go? Famous scripture right here, Romans 12:2. Now, you may see I have, and do not be, that's, have a strike through there. I don't know if you can see it from there. Because it's not really, and do not be, it's stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The goal, the purpose, the reason we're here is for this very purpose, for this reason is that we will be transformed into the image of God's Son, and that brings God glory, and you can't do it without renewing your mind. This word, be transformed, is metamorpho, uh, metamorphomai. Metamorphomai. There you go. That's a mouthful. M-E-T-A-M-O-R-P-H-O-O-M-A-I. It's a verb, and it's the present passive imperative. It means to change form. This word is used in Matthew 12, uh, excuse me, 17:2, when Jesus was transfigured before three disciples. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Christ took Peter, James, and John up there, and he says, essentially, he says, "I'm going to give you a preview." And he was transfigured right before their eyes. He was showing them what He was going to look like in His resurrection body. They were seeing the first piece of the puzzle for the new universe. Can you imagine how privileged they were? And no doubt they were awestruck. They described Him as looking at the sun in its full brightness. Now, you may see that I have here uh, where's my pointer? Right here. That he was transfigured. Now, this is the aorist passive indicative. The aorist tense means that he was transformed in a moment of time. He received that transformation, and it was in the indicative mood. You understand that? It means it was reality. 
Now, in our word here, though, in chapter 12 of uh, Romans, verse 2, the present tense tells us that this is a process that hope happens over a period of time. Do you get that? This is not talking about eternal salvation here. If it was, it would be what? In the tense, it would happen in a point of time. This transformation, this metamorphomai, is a process, continuous action. So it's not talking about eternal life. It's talking about our experiential sanctification. It's about us being changed over a period of time as we grow in grace and knowledge. Now, the passive voice indicates that we receive this transformation. We don't cause it. It's the Word of God working in us that renews our minds. You got that? Passive voice. You're sitting there. You're listening. I'm teaching. The Holy Spirit is making this clear and perspicuous for you because we're talking about spiritual phenomenon here. And when that happens, it goes into your soul and it transforms who you are. By the way, who are you? You are what you think. That is what the Bible says. It's not the house that, we're, that I'm looking at, the temporary tent that we all live in. It's the real you that I can't see, but God can. And that is what needs to be transformed. And you're not working, are you? You don't get tired, do you, in Bible class? Now, you may be tired when you get here, but it's the Word working on you. Not that you're doing anything. You're receiving it. It's all in the passive voice. So it's the Word of God working in us that renews our mind. It's alive and powerful, can do what nothing else in this world can do, change our thinking to line up with Christ's thinking. That's why we're here. And that is not going to come in one dose. A lot of people go to church. Well, that was all right. Now I did my part. Now let's get on with the party. It takes a lifetime of, guess what? Faithfulness. It's the imperative move. The imperative move means this transformation is not an option. It's a command. God is not asking. He's commanding. Believers who are not renewing their minds with doctrine are disobeying God. And do you think He takes that lightly? Do you think that people who disobey Him, defy Him, rebel against Him, that He just says, oh, well, I'll just take care of that someday maybe, or overlook it, See, people don't think that way. People that are distracted and put something before taking in the Word of God, they're not having their minds transformed, and they don't think in terms of disobeying God. But they are. And when you cross God, there are severe consequences. And it is as automatic as the law of gravity. It's going to happen. And as they continue to slide further and further away from the Word, their life starts coming apart. They get angry. They're confused. 
they're afraid and they wonder what happened. Well, what happened is they disobeyed God and did not continue to have their minds transformed. You see, there's some people that have a little doctrine and they think it's a lot of doctrine. Some people know about dispensations. They know something about soteriology, homardiology, eschatology, angelology, anthropology, all these things. They, they've heard doctrines and all that. So why do I need to keep going? I mean, I know all that. I've heard it all anyway. That is an arrogant person that's either ignorant or just stupid because they are defying God. You cannot be conformed to His image and not have the intake of doctrine consistently. Every time you start doing something or saying something, you shouldn't because of the doctrine in your soul. It's an indication that the Word of God has performed its work in you. When was it? That happens to me all the time. Somebody will say something and I'm about to respond, and I go, mm. I, don't not, I don't go to that extreme. I'm trying to make a point. It's just like, there's a doctrine there. You better pay attention. I think, mm-hmm. You know, I've ignored that one before, and I don't like what happened. That is an indication that doctrine has worked in you every time you do that. And that's a great thing. Of course, your volition is always at work. That should be happening to you, by the way, a lot. Because our propensity is to go take the easy road. Do what's easy. Go along with the crowd. Do what's fun. That's our normal tendency. But the Bible is continually put, oops, there's a hurdle, oops, there's a roadblock, look out for that one. And when we, when we recognize this and we know that God is doing this for our own good, we recognize and we make the decisions not to do it based on the doctrine. What does that mean? What is our verse saying? Look up here. Which performs its work in you. You know what? Doctrine can't perform its work in you if you didn't hear it, can it? If you never got it, it's not going to be performing work in you. What if you got it and forgot it? How about then? I know somebody might be thinking, well, the Holy Spirit brought out it. It's back there somewhere. You know, it'll, 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 it'll be there. You can forget it to the point that you never knew you had it. Are y'all any of you familiar with that? I don't want to know. I mean, I wouldn't ask him. I don't want to see any hands. This work that the Word of God does is invisible. It's on the inside, but eventually it's, uh, it, it, it eventually is manifested on the outside in one way or another. In the way one behaves, the way one dresses, one, the way one talks. If you've been on, if you've been taking in doctrine for ten years, and you're still talking the same way you've always talked, you're dressing the same way you've always dressed, you're behaving the same way that always you always have, 
it should be an indication that doctrine isn't working in you. Over time, it can even change one's appearance. Do you believe that? Let me explain. I'm not saying, you know, you get to what... You get some doctrine, you, you understand something about Jesus, and you want to be righteous, and you start dressing a different way that you think might be righteous. There's some ladies that quit wearing makeup, and they put on long, roby-looking moo-moos or whatever they are, and they, they walk around and hump shoulders and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. That's legalism. That's not even doctrine. It has to do with, well, let's just take while I'm there, and it's on, I know I'm on thin ice, but we'll talk about the way you dress for just a moment because you ladies, I don't know how you've dressed before, but once you understand what God would have you do, you dress in a way to be attractive but not provocative. You ladies have a power that, well, I don't even have to tell you. You already know it. And you can dress in such a way that guys will just fall all over themselves. They'll not only be distracted, they can, you can cause, cause them to sin. And that might be one way that you change once you start getting doctrine and you, you maybe dress more modestly. That's one way that it could be. Guys, we, all, we dress the same always, no matter what it is. That's why when you go to these big balls, the big to-dos like the Oscars and all that, all the ladies are in beautiful colors and different dresses, and they all look the same. What are the guys wearing? They're all wearing black suits. and They all look the same. That makes it easy. That's what we like. We want to dress that way. All we want to know is do the pants and the shirt and the socks. Does that kind of match? If it does, we're good to go. And when everybody's wearing black, everybody's wearing the same suit, hey, that's good. We like it that way. But you ladies, well, I don't, I've been enough in the dress. I better leave while I can. Um, about the appearance, um, the reason it can look, it can, the appearance can make a difference when you have doctrine, one reason is because you don't have the stress factor. It removes the, the stress in your soul. It doesn't remove the stress in the world. That's always going to be there. But it doesn't have the stress that's impending on your soul and that takes a toll, even physically. If you could just be at my house when I come home after being in Houston traffic, you'd see what I mean. I come in and I don't know what I look like, but I know it's not good. And here's another thing. Over a period of time, people will actually be more attractive physically by taking in doctrine. And you know one reason why? They're not frowning all the time. All these you know, grumpy-looking wrinkles and, and the, the whole structure of your face changes because it's not bent with stress and you're happy. I know some people who are getting up in age and they are really attractive. Now, I might be prejudiced because I know what they're like on the inside. That's another thing. You know, you can take a beautiful woman Drop dead gorgeous. I don't know what. I don't care what it is. But if she is ugly on the inside, she is ugly. But a person, let's take Jimmy Durante. Everybody knows who Jimmy Durante is. I mean, that is not a pretty face. 
but he can be beautiful of soul and it just kind of radiates through his through his countenance. And he was. He was a beautiful soul. No, I'm, th- I'm sorry. Not, uh, I'm not thinking of uh, Jim Durante. I'm thinking about uh, Red Skelton. Red Skelton, who I think. Uh, I think maybe Red Skelton was really a little more handsome than Jimmy Durante, but I wouldn't enter any of them in a beauty contest. Uh, and the way you behave. That's the big one. Do you behave differently? When nobody's around. I, I'll go, I keep going back to traffic because I think that's when a real person comes out. People who've been with me in traffic, they know what I'm talking about. Now, the last two words here are so important. Who believed? Let's get it in context here, the whole thing here. Last phrase. I'm going to have to go all the way back up here. Okay. Not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs in its work in you, which we've been talking about. And then the last two words, who believed? Let me scroll back down here. Who believed? We dare not leave out these two words. Tois pistuo. P-I-S-T-E-U-O. It's a participle. Present active participle. Who's the one that has to do the believing? You do. And in this context, is it one-time belief? What does it say? Present tense. I'm going. You've got to keep believing it. To believe, trust, or have faith. The reason faith is so important is because the transformation cannot take place without it. The transformation, you know, the one that I was talking about, that God says He's commanding you to do, to be transformed. Not by what you do, but what? By the renewing of your mind. Because first you have to change your thinking, then the behavior will change. It's the thinking that has to be changed first. Learning the Word is not the same as believing the Word. Just because a person is able to quote Scripture and explain doctrinal precepts doesn't necessarily mean they have been transformed by what they learn. A college student who takes a course in anthropology may be able to cite all the reasons why evolution is accepted and have great test scores. But that doesn't necessarily mean he believes in evolution. They do what is necessary to pass. And there's a lot of, hopefully, there's a lot of college Christian young people, in, or old people, doesn't matter, in college. And they're doing that. Now, I don't know what I'd do if I was in college because I'm such a rebel. I would just want to tell them that evolution's a crock and let's argue about it. I don't know I'd do that, but I'd be tempted to. But Anyway, you know that that's going on a lot, right? That, that's, that happens. Now, get this. Some believers are like that. They learn doctrine, are able to give the right answers, and think that's all that's necessary to pass and become a mature believer. But they're wrong. Repeat. Some believers are like that. They learn doctrine, are able to give the right answers, and think that's all that's necessary to pass. That is, to become a mature believer. But they're wrong. I'm going to turn this off because I've got to hide something from you. Before 
Yeah, here it is. Okay. It's true, you can't grow to spiritual maturity without learning doctrine. But learning isn't enough. It takes. It also takes what? Now, don't tell me. But I either want you to write it down or say it in your soul. Listen to that. It takes more than just learning in order to pass, in order to become mature. It also takes what? You've had time to think, right? Here it is. First word. Application. You can't learn something without believing it. But you can't apply it without believing it. You got that? James calls these type of people hearers instead of doers. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. You see, there's a lot of people that, and I've known people, who have reams of notes. They can take you to their closet. Look at all these. I was there in person. I've got all these notes here. I know all this stuff. Well, I'm impressed. That's great. How much of it do you do? How much of it are you applying? How much of it do you remember? God doesn't want us... We're not here just to learn. Did you hear I said just to learn? Is learning absolutely imperative? Yes. But just because you come to Bible class, just because you come to, because you come to church and you take notes or you, 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 you've got some doctrines down, means nothing without applying it. Remember in our verse it says that he, uh, they are giving thanks to God because they received the Word. It was God's message that's showing up. And they accepted it. You know what the acceptance is? What's the application? You can't please God without faith. And you have to have faith in order to grow. You have to believe it. If you don't believe it, you're not going to remember it, for one thing. If it's not important to you, you'll, you'll forget it. So you can learn something without believing it, but you can't apply it without believing it. And I don't mean just, I'm not saying that you would take issue with things that I teach or any other communicator would teach. I'm talking about sometimes it's just, a, it's not that you argue or that you, you are contrary to it. It's just that it doesn't mean anything to you. You can't have faith in something that you think doesn't matter. I mean, what's going to, if, you, if you're taught something and it's not important to you, what's going to happen? You're going to forget it, aren't you? Can you apply something you've forgotten? No. But if you recognize that every word of, of God's truth in the Word of God is important, you're going to do your best to remember it, and you're going to be fortified. You're going to continue to learn and grow and keep it coming in, keep it coming in. One job that all of us have here is to encourage each other. Your very presence here tonight is an encouragement to others. That's one way you encourage other people. We're going to get in the next verse about suffering. 
And one thing that the local church is designed to do is to have compassion towards one another and encourage one another and help each other, especially when the chips are down. And always encouraging by your presence. I'm going to end it here because um, what I'm doing next, I'm going, to, I'm going to expand on these hearers instead of doers, and I don't have enough time to really give it justice, so we'll pick that up next time. Let's close. Father, thank You so much for who and what You are and the many blessings and opportunities and privileges that You have in store for us. All of them richly undeserved. If we can just get our mind around the idea that we're here not to squeeze out how much fun we can have, when we realize our time on earth is not about us, it's about You glorifying You getting prepared for what's next. Our minds can't even conceive how wonderful it is and, and the, and the <clears throat> amount of love and wonderful things You have for those who love You. And we know we can't love You if we don't know You. So we pray that You will challenge us, help us to keep our priorities straight and encourage those who have lost their way. And we thank You for giving us the Holy Spirit that is our guide. We pray this in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.